Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Today I want to talk about, uh, it's not about me, and it's not about us. It's about them. Praise the Lord. Amen. Let's turn to Romans uh, 12 and 1. Romans 12 and 1, it says, I beseech you, brethren, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. You know, that's a a very, very powerful scripture. And when we look at that scripture, you know, we're instructed by the word to present ourselves to him. That we would be a sacrifice, just like he was a sacrifice. And that we would be a living sacrifice, that we would be not only an example, but a force of will to the world around us. Um, it is the least that we can do. It is our reasonable sacrifice. God is not asking us to do anything that is unreasonable. And, uh, you know, I guess you'd have to live in a cave to not uh, understand a lot of the things that are happening today in our country, in our world. And sometimes it can kind of catch up with you and you, you get discouraged and you look at it and you, you say, man, this is really a tough situation. But the Lord has really put it on my heart lately that he didn't care about government. He didn't care about who was in charge. But what he did was he saved the world. He made a way for the world that the world could be saved one person at a time. And he knew that his power was greater than any of the other stuff. And I think sometimes we have to, we have to consider in our life that it's not about us. You know, we worry about what we think. We worry about how this affects us. We worry about, oh man, what am I going to do? Oh, what's going to happen if the wrong person gets elected? Oh man, oh man. And we, we travail and we fret about all of this stuff. But Jesus has already shown us that it is not about us. That it's about them. The people that need to be one to the Lord. And he showed us what a, what a great thing it was and what great power he had to make that happen. And it isn't a mysterious power and it's not a hidden power. It's a power that is present for each and every one of us to see and experience through his word. And uh, it, it's amazing. Uh, and I'm not sure why, why the Lord put this on my heart, but You know, when you think about the people that you run into and the people that you have had the opportunity to testify to and the people that you have been able to pray through to the Holy Ghost, 
You remember the joy that you had when that happened? I think that's something that we really, we really miss. When you're thinking about all your fretting and you're thinking about all the things that are, are such a problem in your life and, and you, you worry about this world and we worry about, well, how is our job going to go? We worry about, am I going to make my house payment? We worry about, are my kids going to get sick? Uh, we worry about, are we going to be protected? But then when you consider the joy that you experience when someone that you have testified to has received the Holy Ghost, then I think you understand a little bit about how God looks at this. Because he made the ultimate sacrifice of which he asks us to make. He asks us to be a living sacrifice, but he gave his life. And if you can imagine, I, I wanted to read, if you'll turn to Acts 2.38, and this is not an Acts 2.38 message, just so you know. But uh, I believe it whole heart and soul, and I believe that it is the only way. And uh, proud, proud to know it. I'm glad that somebody showed it to me and my wife one day. And, but I, but I, wanna, I want you to think about something. I'm going to read this, and then I'll ask you what, what to think about. Um, if you start in the 37th verse, this is um, after Jesus had ascended into heaven, and here we are. This is the big moment. Um, they had received the Holy Ghost, and everybody was pretty excited. And now it was time to be, for Peter to be that reasonable sacrifice, that living sacrifice. And it was time for him to go forward and do what he was supposed to do. And in the 37th verse of the second chapter, it says, Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And here, these people were already convicted. They were convicted by what they had seen. And Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That is not very mysterious, is it? It's not very confusing, not very unplain. For the promise is unto you and to your children that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourself from this untoward generation. They had generational problems too. They had political problems too. They were all fretting also. And he said that this was going to be a way to save yourself from that generation. And then they that gladly received the word were baptized, and that same day were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Now what I want you to consider, Jesus has just made the ultimate sacrifice. He has died on the cross, and he has victoriously raised from the dead. And he has been glorified and has ascended into heaven. The ultimate price 
the lamb slain from the foundation of the world has been fulfilled. And he has gone forth and is now sitting at the right hand, the hand of authority of God in heaven. Can you imagine for a moment looking back at your salvation and looking back at the times that you have testified to others and the joy, if you didn't cry the first time that you saw someone that you had testified to receive the Holy Ghost, you have a heart of a rock. Because I know, without a doubt, all of you have. When you see that lit up face and you see the joy in that person's life, it changes them and it changes you because you know what has happened to them and you feel that unbelievable joy of what has just taken place. And I ask you, what do you think Jesus thought on that day when 3,000 souls were added? What a day for him. Wow, was that all worth it? What a great day this is. 3,000 people have been redeemed because of one man's sacrifice. Unbelievable. Anyway, that was, none of that was in my notes. And I'm, I'm glad that God touches us and, and can make a difference in our life. But it shows that it's not about us. But it's all about them. I'd like you to turn to First um, Corinthians two one through five. It says, "And I, brethren, when I came to you, I came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom." Paul was just a regular old guy. He he didn't he was nothing special. Everything he was was what God had done for him. Everything he was, was what God had made him. And that's what he's telling us here. And he says, I was declaring unto you the testimony of God, for I determined not to know anything. I'm just a normal old guy. I'm just like you and me. Among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. That was all that he knew. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of men's wisdom, but in the demonstration of the spirit and power. That's where we really see what God is all about. When we see the demonstration of his spirit and we see how people are saved and redeemed. That's what really changes us, and that is really the power. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. It's not about us. It's about the power of God that works through all of us and for them. Our biggest challenge in serving God is to surrender our will to him and to take on the character of selflessness and humility and mercy 
of which Jesus set the example in the first place. Here he was, the great God of heaven, and he's walking around as a servant and looking for things, how he could help people. How can I be something for them? How can I help them? How can I bless them? That's what Jesus did. He, he was the king of the universe, and yet he came as a servant. And he asked us, you know, it gives you a little bit better uh, idea of what he means when he says a living sacrifice acceptable unto God. If we look at what Jesus was, then we can see what the acceptable, um, how acceptable unto God and our reasonable service is. So we live, you know, today we live in a very me, me, me world. It's all about me. Well, I have news for them. It's not about me today. It's not going to be about me tomorrow. And when the Lord comes, it's not going to be about me either. Because it's going to be all about him and them. And we are the ones that are in the position of having been blessed and that it is our reasonable service that he asks for from each and every one of us. The word warns us of the danger inherent in the flesh. Because of the subtleness of this danger, we need to overcorrect the philosophy of giving of ourselves to giving others and dedicating our life service to God. We, you know, the world beats on us every day of how important we are. You know, um, my, my very first pastor talked about this, and I never, you know what, I missed, I missed the point. I really did. I, I looked at the big picture, and I thought, okay, I understand that, but I really, really missed the point. And he was talking about, now this was back, uh, we came into the church in 1975. So, you know, a lot of things were kind of different then. The world, I thought, was a more moral place. Uh, people generally went to church somewhere. Uh, people seemed to be at least somewhat more honorable. And, and today, we live in a different, a different world. But... Um, he talked about humanism. And I, I, didn't, I didn't come against him in his thought or argue with him. I think I just didn't understand it. And I knew that as far as humanism was in its root problem is humanism states that we are all a God unto ourselves. We are all big. We are all really something. We are, oh, we are the power of our destiny. That's what humanism really is. And that's what I saw. And it was hard for me to get my arms around that because I didn't see it as being that terrible, that bad, that, to that extreme. I can see it today really easily because I have seen where humanity has taken on the position of the creator. And that's, that's wrong. That's sinful. 
It's a, a terrible thing for us to think. We are supposed to be like unto him, a servant, and it is our reasonable s- sacrifice. Um, but, you know, at that time, I thought about, well, you know, there was a lot of things about, you know, be all you can be and, uh, you know, positive mental attitude and, and having a positive outlook on stuff and you can do it. And, th- and that was kind of what my attitude was and that's why I had a real hard time with what he was telling me. But what we have to remain, remember is the, the danger of the subtleness of humanism because it starts with you just thinking about that you can do it and you you have the ability and you can do this but what happens what we don't understand is that we're shifting the power from God to ourselves we're we're thinking that we can do this well, we can do nothing without his power upon our life. And that was the part that I missed. And now that it has gotten so bad, it is way easier to see that. Because now people have truly taken on the position of God. And we have to be careful because it's easy for that to happen to us. It's easy for us to think how important we are, how great we are. Oh, man, look at me. You know, what did I do? Oh, it, you know, uh, old, old expression. Make sure your eyes aren't too close together. I did this. I did that. I'm so important. I have this great job. I have this nice house. Boy, I have such a wonderful car. I, 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 I. Instead of dealing with, he has blessed me with this. He has made a way for me with this. He has done that. He has made all of the benefits that I have. He has given me all the blessings of my life. He, he, he. That's the word that has to be in there. God has blessed us. God has made a way for us. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. The Holy Spirit will transform us to what we need to be by the renewing of our minds. Sister Hickey, I jumped ahead. If you could go to Romans 12 and 2. We we need to be seeking to him all the time so that we move ahead and do well with him. Romans 12 and 2, it says, And be not conformed to this world. Just what I talked about. Don't be conformed to the world. Don't take on the attitudes of the world. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And the renewing of our mind comes through the Spirit. Through God's Spirit being in our life. He changes us. He makes a difference in our life. Okay, then uh, Luke 14 and 34. Uh, Salt is good, but if the salt have lost its savor, wherein shall it be seasoned? We are the salt of the earth, chosen by God and sent by him to win the lost. If it was up to him to win the lost, he made the sacrifice. 
but he entrusted us to go and win the lost. If it was up to him to win the lost, he would have stayed here. We need to run the race with purpose and discipline. We need to follow the word, not our culture. The world is out there, and the world's going to be out there, but we have a better way. We have the inspiration of God's spirit in our lives, and it is up to us to adopt that and tell it to others because as ugly as the world is getting and as bad as all the things are that you see in the news, God can make a difference, and you can make a difference. You know, me watching Fox News is not going to save anybody. Me grousing about who gets elected for president isn't going to save anybody. It isn't going to change the world, not one bit. None of it. But by me teaching a home Bible study to somebody, I can win them and they'll be redeemed forever. We, each one of us, can make a difference because it's not about us. It's about them. They're the ones that need to know. They need to feel the truth. Who would think that you would give to receive? What a great blessing to win somebody to the Lord. God asks us to exercise giving faith to prove his word. In Luke 6 and 38 says, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together and running over, shall men give unto your bosom. For with the same measure as ye meet with all, it shall be measured again to you. Giving in this situation is not just talking about money. It's not. Giving in this application talks about well-doing. So do well and it shall be given unto you. And it can be given to others through gifts of time. It can be given to others in times of prayer. It can be given to others in acts of kindness. And the whole point is not expecting anything in return. I think Brother Kylie gave us some real good wisdom. If you borrow money to somebody, just make sure that you don't consider ever getting it back. Okay? You'll be a lot better off because of it. Do it as a blessing. Now, if they pay you back, and they want to pay you back, and they do, hallelujah, just as well. But don't let yourself get twisted up in that part where it wrecks your spirit because you're doing it to them as you would do it unto God. You're giving it to them because they need it. And God is the great returner of the favor, and he will take care of it. Don't worry about it. The surrender of self is always in direct proportion to the development of burden for others. The more you lower yourself, the more you can raise up your thoughts about others. The less you consider yourself, the more you will consider others. And uh, God promises us spiritual victory as well as we dwell our minds on his efforts and his work. In Galatians 6 and 9, it talks about that. Maybe you always wondered, well, what does this really mean? 
Galatians 6 and 9 says, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. A lot of things that you could think about that that means, but it means if you do your part, God will do his part. And he'll bless you, and he'll be what you need him to be. The true point is that we are not in this for us. We are in this for them. But we, more importantly, they are the reason Jesus died. We are now the deliverers of the Great Commission. We need to consider the mission of Jesus in the people around us to see the world as Jesus did. None should be lost. That's Jesus' attitude. None should be lost. Winning the lost is befriending the lost. I want to tell you a story. We'll probably run way out of time. But um, I love telling stories. And uh, when we came into the church, this was before we got the Holy Ghost, I started testifying to a guy that I worked with. And he was, he was the journeyman and I was the apprentice boy. Because I was a lot younger then. But, uh, you know, he, he was a great mentor to me and showed me a lot of things. And uh, because I got to work with him every day and we were just working on a machine there, there's a lot of time where you're doing stuff and you can talk. And I testified to him every day. And uh, I really, really took a burden to win him and his family to the Lord. And let me tell you some of the things that happened while this process of trying to win him to the Lord was going on. And I'm trying to be careful not to mention me or I because it was God that put that spirit within me that, that had that burden. But uh, some of the things that I would do, and, I, and crazy stuff because I, I would have never done it otherwise. Um, I used my vacation to help him paint his house. You know why? Because he was afraid of the scaffolding. He didn't want to go up so high. So I told him, not a problem. So I went up on the scaffolding and he went up with me, but I did the high parts and he did what he could reach and hang on to the scaffolding. But along with us was my trusty tape recorder, my, my cassette tape player, sitting on the board right next to us, right next to the paint bucket, playing tapes from camp of Brother Urshan. Okay? And it, some of you know me well enough, some of you would not, but at that time, I was not a morning person at all. Much more of a morning person now as I get old. But I remember getting up and going at 3 o'clock in the morning. Oh, my goodness. Getting on my motorcycle, tying the... Actually, I actually had a motorcycle in those days. And uh, I, I tied my fishing pole onto the motorcycle with a, a bungee cord and went down to the lake and went out on the pier to meet this man. And we would fish together. And I also <clears throat> had tied my tape player onto there and we could go out and I could play another tape while we were fishing. And I would get a chance to testify to him. 
and got up at three in the morning to go down there. I didn't care about the fishing, but I cared about his soul. And I cared about his family. And then we taught that family a Bible study. The whole family by that time, they were interested and we got to teach them the Bible study, my wife and I. And, uh, and then as God would have it, you know, God, he outthinks all of us. So there was a, a special service and Brother Mitchell from Moline, Illinois came in and preached this special service. It was at Urban Junior High up in Sheboygan. And he preached and preached and this whole family was there. The kids and the girlfriend of the oldest son was there. Never had been to one of our Bible studies, I don't think. I, I don't think so. And, but Todd brought her along to that service. And all the time that I'm testifying to this guy and hoping that he comes to church and all this stuff, and she comes to this special meeting with the whole family, and she's the one that gets the Holy Ghost in the first service she's ever in. <laughs> you know, so God knows what to do, and God knows the difference. You know, our responsibility is just to tell them and to encourage them and to show them God's mercy and we need to be an example of him in, in his word and in our life. And if we do that, they will come. And you will make a difference for eternity in the life of someone else. Can you imagine that? Now, don't get your head all inflated. But you will make a difference. Your testimony will make a difference to someone else for eternity. We must live the Great Commission. We must be kingdom-minded. If we do the work, Jesus will provide the power. His will will provide the way of victory for the new saints. And uh, I want to share a story with you again about that it's not, it's not us. It's all about him. We fret all the time. And a guy at camp, maybe some of you heard this story already, so you just bear with me. Um, he said, one of the things that happens, and he was a pastor, and he says, one of the things that happens is after people get the Holy Ghost, he says, uh, usually a couple of weeks after they get the Holy Ghost, they come to his office for the meeting. That's the way he explained it. And... Uh, because sometimes when people get the Holy Ghost, they feel that they're invincible and that everything is going to be wonderful. And uh, he said this, this guy came into his office. He was a brand new saint, okay? So don't, don't get the wrong idea. This guy wasn't somebody that had been serving the Lord for 20 years. Brand new saint. And he came in the office, oh, pastor, oh, pastor. And he started crying. He said, oh, pastor, he said, I, I, I think I, I got to stop coming to church I feel like such a failure. And he says, I was at work and I was working with a hammer and I hit my thumb and I said a bad word. He said, you know, that's just terrible. I shouldn't, I shouldn't have done that and I, I don't know how God can forgive me. And the pastor looked back at him and he said, okay, you did that and it really bothered you, didn't it? And you repented of it. He said, yeah. 
He said, if that would have happened two years ago, how long would you have thought about it? He said, I wouldn't have thought about it at all. He says, isn't it amazing what God has done for you? That he has changed your heart. He's put a new heart within you. He's made a difference. And that's what he's done for each and every one of us. He's put a new heart within us. Don't forget where you were and where you are today. Don't forget what God has done for you. Remember back sometime, and I don't mean this to, you know, bring up old memories, but remember back where you were before God saved you. I remember where I was. I wasn't a pretty sight. My life was dead in sin. And God changed me, and he made me different. And he made me that according to his spirit, I would sit on a scaffold and paint a guy's house during my vacation. And I would get up at three in the morning to go fishing when I'm not interested in fishing at all. Only for the fact that we could win the lost. And that's what we need to do. We need to be what we can be. You can be that person. I'm not special. I'm just like every one of you. And the only thing that we have in common is we have God's spirit. So change who you are. Make a difference in someone else's life. Because it's not about you. It's about them. Be a leader. Win the lost world to him. Feel good about being strong. Stand for God no matter what. And love people to greatness. Love them to what God has for them. Because you know what? The blessing is all yours. You will win them to God and you're the one that's going to get blessed. How does that work? What a great God we serve, don't we? Praise the Lord. God bless you all. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.